Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am excited to introduce you today to a new Redemption Press author, Lisa Betts. She is going to give us some great insight into her mind and heart as a novelist who writes stories of characters who are unconventional. So first things first, let me give a proper introduction. An engineer-turned-mystery writer, Lisa E. Betts, infuses her novels with authentic characters who thrive on solving tricky problems. Her debut novel, Death and a Crocodile, won several awards, including the Golden Scroll Novel of the Year in 2021. Lisa combines her love of research with her quirky imagination to bring the world of the early church to life. She and her husband reside outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with Scallywag, their rambunctious cat, the inspiration for Nemesis, resident mischief maker in the Livia Amelia's Mysteries. Lisa directs church dramas, eats too much chocolate, and experiments with ancient Roman recipes. You can find her at lisaebets.com. So let's roll that conversation. Well, it is just a delight to um, welcome you, Lisa Betts, to the All Things Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Well, before we jump into kind of not only the book that's just come out, but your brand as a novel writer, um, I would love to hear and for our listeners to hear your favorite Romans 828 story, just because I love how God is so creative in the way he works in our lives to show that he is, even when we can't figure it out, he really is always behind the scenes working all things together for good. So we would just love to hear, get an inside peek into how he does that in your life. Well, first, I must admit that when I hear this question, there's a little voice in the back of my head that says, you don't have a good you don't have a good answer for that question you you don't deserve to answer that question because you haven't overcome cancer or faced major trials in life your story isn't worth telling but there's another voice in my head that says that is a lie yep everybody has a story worth telling and god is always working in everyone's life even when even when it looks to us like our obstacles are molehills compared to other people's mountains, we all have a story to tell and that story is able to meet somebody's need. Amen. So, Amen. so this answer is for all the rest of you who secretly have that little voice in your head saying, oh, my story's not worth telling. I don't deserve to have this great story because I haven't, I haven't faced anything worthy enough. So that's not true. Right. 
So my story that I thought I would tell is um, about publishing the book. You know, I started going to conferences and learning about writing and people kept talking about this, this promoting thing that after I wrote the book, I would have to market it and promote it. And I absolutely dreaded that, just dreaded it so much that I kept like shoving it to the side and I, I just couldn't even face thinking about it because it was too scary. But I slowly worked, you know, to get a book published. And finally, um, my book came out in 2021, February of 2021. And that's right in the middle of COVID. So not only was I facing now this having to promote a book, but I was having to promote it during COVID, which made it even more complicated. And on top of that, the book came out in February. My father passed away in March and my father-in-law passed away in May. Oh so, my goodness. So um, it was kind of a hectic time. Um, so that's just the context. So, so here I am with this brand new book. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, a, I'm, my brain has been telling me that I'm afraid of this and I'm never going to be any good at it, but God was faithful through all these things. Um, and so some of the things that he did, first of all, I was able, the, the first book, Death and a Crocodile, I, I won several awards with that book. And that gave me a huge boost of confidence that, well, at least I'm doing something right. At least, at least I know my product is worth promoting. Right. right. So that was right. really huge for me. Um, and, you know, I, I did things. I did all these things that I thought I would be terrified of doing, um, doing a book signing, talking to bookstore owners, um, promoting my book to strangers. And every time I worked up the courage to do that, the Lord was there. He helped me through it. I survived. <laughs> I even enjoyed it sometimes. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um and another thing that he did, he challenged me early on that I had a bad attitude and that I needed to change it. Ooh. That that I was listening to a soundtrack that said, marketing is terrible. You're always going to hate it and you're never going to be good at it. And the Lord said, no, that does not need to be the truth. And so in the past year, I have adopted a much better attitude about the whole promoting thing that I can find ways to enjoy it and be good at it and be successful at it. Hmm. Um, another huge thing that happened was, and I, I the Asa conference I think was a big part of this is that I discovered the concept that my, my writing ministry is not just writing a novel, that I have a larger ministry to a larger kind of audience and I had been trying to figure out how my blogs and my book connected, and I hadn't really figured it out. But um, thanks to some wisdom from some other mentors, I realized that my message was bigger than my book. Mm. And so I, I worked on refining what that message was, and that's how I've come up with my current tagline um, for my website, which is quietly unconventional. And it's about living authentically that, I have always been a little bit unconventional because I've made intentional decisions to choose to be authentic, even when that made me a little bit like a misfit. Mm. But it's quietly conventional because I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm not trying to be a rebel. I'm just trying to be me. Right. And, and the characters in my books have a similar concept. 
they a lot of them are intentionally misfits one way or another. And so they're a little unconventional and and they have that yearning to be accepted for who they really are. I love that. So if we come to you, we know no matter what you're writing, whether it's a young adult novel, mystery, or it's some other genre, we're always going to get that unconventional, quietly unconventional. That's always going to be there. Yes. And so I love that, that you've figured out, because a lot of times it takes a while to figure out what, what is it that is my brand? Mm -hmm. And so that, that's, I love that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I started trying it out, everyone said, oh yeah, that fits you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so what I hear you saying is, you know, the beginning of your writing journey and your publishing journey and, you know, having to market and, you know, all of the, you know, the enemy would love for you to just not do anything with your book so that no one would read it. So no one would be encouraged and, and potentially change their life changed or encouraged to follow Jesus. He would love for you to listen to that voice that just says, you know, you're going to hate this. You don't want to do this. And so just to see how God used that to allow you to grow and change your attitude and actually see him do some more. I mean, he met you in all those places to give you those wins and those different situations where now it's with book number two that just came out, it's going to be a whole different story because of the growth that you've had and what, how he has worked good, even though it didn't start out that way. Yes, very much so. Yes. I love that. So let's ask a question. Some people would say that it's unusual for a mechanical engineer to become a historical Christian fiction writer. Tell us what's led you on this journey to being quietly unconventional. Right. Well, my degree is in mechanical engineering, and I did work uh, as a plant engineer for six years. So unlike many writers I know, I did not set out to become a writer. Um, but I always, I always had this right brain and left brain thing going on. So I love math. But I also love stories and being creative and imaginative. Um, so after I was an engineer for several years, I stayed home with my children. And then I started substituting at their school. Um, and they were thrilled to have someone who could pop in on the spur of the moment and, and teach algebra or physics, right? <laughs> <laughs> but since I was working at the school, um, I had an opportunity to direct a play. Now, my, my parents used to do amateur theater and they've always taken us to theater. So I had, I had a smidgen of knowledge about plays, but I had never directed one before. But I said, sure, why not? Sounds like fun. So I, um, I directed a play and I said that one worked and I directed plays for 10 years. I could tell you all sorts of stories about how, how about how God was right there when I needed him, when I jumped into these things and didn't know what I was doing, was way over. <laughs> my head. 
And God would always, just when I was about to completely melt down, he would bring someone along who would say, do you need help? <laughs> I love that. Amen. But anyway, this got my creative juices flowing. And that kind of was what led me into um, pursuing writing with some seriousness. And I got involved in a, a local writers group. Um, and then when my youngest son uh, was going off to college, I kind of had this moment where I was deciding, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? Do, do I want to go back to engineering or do I want to do something else? And so I had, by this time, I had this dream in the back of my head, maybe I could publish a book. And so I decided to go for, to go after writing. And that's how I ended up actually writing a book worth publishing and then getting it published. So Lisa, why do you feel like it's so difficult for people to live authentically? Well, that's a great question. And um, there are lots of reasons why it's hard. One of the main ones I think is that our society values image, right? Mm. Uh, we're bombarded with messages everywhere we look, you know, social media, advertisements, movies, whatever. You have to look a certain way. You have to dress a certain way, um, right? You have to be successful. And this is what success looks like. So, so we're bombarded constantly by the world's view of what's successful, what's beautiful, um, what's worthy. Mm. And all of that is forcing us into molds that aren't what God made us to be. So in contrast to that, Paul says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, right? Um, so the more we strive to fit someone else's idea of what we ought to be, the more we're losing touch with the unique true self that God created us, that unique person. So that's one reason. Another reason, of course, is that we all yearn to be accepted. Um, and so oftentimes we trade off our authenticity in order to be accepted, in order to be appreciated, in order to be loved, in order to fit in with the mold of the people that we think make us important. But the truth, again, is that our worth comes from God. Mm. Anyone who does or does not accept us, not from anything we do or do not do. Um, another problem with authenticity is that it takes courage and it takes effort because if we choose to live authentically, then sometimes we are going to stand out. We're going to do things that other people think are weird. And it's just hard to keep making these intentional choices day after day, do things the way that your heart's calling you to do instead of just kind of go along with everyone else and not have to think. Amen. So much um, of that pressure, really, God wants us to be authentic and the enemy wants us to be phony. Mm -hmm. And that's what we end up doing when we end up trying to be what we're not. Then it's, it's hard to live with that. But, you know, then that's why we so many youth and young adults just struggle with wanting to be accepted, not being, then they go to the fake and then, but you, you can't, you can't have peace with that if you're trying to be something you're not. So I love that you're focusing on that and 
helping those, those that are your readers, helping mm -hmm. them understand that if God made them who they are, they need to embrace that and yep. have, have fun with it. And, you know, cause God really does want to, if you're follow, obviously if you're following him, he wants to show up and show off in your life in right. a way that is uniquely you. That's right. Amen. We are his masterpiece and he created each of us to do good works that he prepared in advance. Amen. In advance, before we were ever born. He gave us value and he gave us purpose. Yeah, I love that. So what is inductive Bible study and how can it help someone independently study the Bible? Well, I have been a Bible study leader for 35 years and it is partly, it is out of that teaching Bible study for all those years that I became interested in ancient Rome. And that's why I have set my novels in ancient Rome. It's the, the time of the early church. And the more, the more I understand the culture and the history of the new Testament era, the more it brings those stories to life. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, but inductive Bible study is the method that I use when I lead my Bible studies. And it, it basically means you're, you're starting instead of, taking someone else's study that has that has been written you're starting with just the bible itself and you're using it as your source material and you're looking at the context and you're asking questions well who said this and who was listening and when did that happen and how does that relate to the thing he just said and you're just kind of asking questions of the text and you're very carefully observing all the stuff that's right there and using that as the basis to then make an interpretation, which then gives you something to apply to your own life. So that's inductive Bible study in a nutshell. So it's something anybody can learn to do. You don't have to be a theology major to learn the Bible on your own. Nice. So what scripture verses then have been the most transformational in your life? Well, I already kind of mentioned uh, one, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, or I like masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, another one that I like is, um, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what I really love about that is that it says we aren't stuck. We are able to change. Mm. That Instead of being conformed and pressed into a mold and stuck there, God enables us to be transformed, to renew our minds, to become a newer, better, healthier person. Mm. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2 are so powerful when mm. we really grasp that it, it's the truth. <laughs> and that's what God wants us to do and be. And woo. So, okay, now I... My next question for you, I think you might have partially hit on already, but I want you to expand mm -hmm. a little bit. In your two books, Death of a Crocodile and Fountains and Secrets, your main characters' adventures take place in Rome. So is there anything else about that era that kind of really prompted you to write about that time period? Well, 
Another reason is that I'm unconventional. <laughs> and I have always, I love historical fiction, but I have always been drawn to strange time periods like ancient Rome or medieval England. I, I you know, so um, because I'm unconventional, I'm not going to do what everyone else does. So I'm not going to pick a standard genre. I'm going to do a historical mystery and not a historical romance. And I'm going to set it in ancient Rome, not World War II or Victorian <laughs> England or, or some other more common period. That's just the way I am. I love that. So there's a great example of your brand coming out in what you decide will be the setting and the era for your novels. Mm -hmm. I love that. So how do the teachings of Jesus run counter to the Roman ideal of honor? Honor was very important to the Romans. There was this uh, a Latin word dignitas, which was equality that a Roman gentleman, it was very important to them and it encompassed honor and reputation and status and how much sway they had in their peers and, and um, appearance. All sorts of things were kind of built into this, this concept of dignitas. And so a, a Roman would do everything he could to increase his honor and his prestige and he would avoid anything that would make it look bad, right? Um, which is completely contrasting to how Jesus calls us to live, right? You know, and he told parables um, that, that illustrated this. And even though the, you know, he, he, he often clashed with the Pharisees about this too. They weren't Roman gentlemen, but they still valued honor. They wanted respect and honor and, and that kind of stuff. And he would call them on the carpet for it, right? And, you know, he told stories like, take the lower seat at the banquet instead of trying to make the higher seat and, you know, say, look, look, everybody, I, I deserve to sit here, right? Right. Um, and he welcomed, Jesus welcomed the nobodies, right? The children, the beggars, the women, the lepers. He welcomed all those people, but to the his society, to both the Roman and Jewish society, when you associate with nobodies, that that is taking away of your honor. Because mm. it's like, um, so it's, it would be something that would not make sense. Um, and of course, Jesus praised qualities like humility and meekness and, and being persecuted, which completely runs opposite of someone who's striving after more and more honor and trying to get in with the best people. Mm. And that's just so true. The gospel is upside down. It is not what the norm is. And so I love that you were able to, using that era, illustrate that so well that that's not, he's calling us to be counterintuitive, which is really kind of almost your brand, right? Right. Well, yes, because anyone who is a Christian in this early church time is going to be unconventional because they're going to be doing things that don't make sense to everybody else. In fact, there's a fun little scene in the first book where Olivia is out shopping with her friend and her friend makes this comment about, why are you being so nice to the slaves? You know, you're acting weird here. And Olivia's, you know, Olivia has, has this moral reason for doing so, but she can't explain it to her friend in a way that will make sense. Right. So, okay. 
We are running out of time. Tell us what's the best way. Well, first of all, if we have some people listening today, they want to connect with you on social media or online. What's the best way to do that first? Well, my website is uh, lisaebetz.com. That's L-I-S-A-E-B-E-T-Z.com. And you can see my um, quietly unconventional blog. You can get information on my books. Um, I also have a Facebook page, Lisa Ebetz Writer. Okay. And is that um, where you're most active on Facebook? Yeah. Um, I post sometimes on, on Twitter too. Lisa Ebetz is, the, is my Twitter handle. But um, yeah, Facebook is probably the best place and my website. And on the website, I have, uh, for the first book, I do have a discussion guide if any book club wants to download that. Perfect. And so are there links on your website to where people can get a copy of your book? Yes. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any bookstore, all of that, right? All of that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been refreshing to dig into some of you know, just the foundation of where you're coming from with your writing. And I love that. So God bless your ministry as you continue to write for him. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.